there we are. All right. Welcome back for anybody who's been playing along at home. This is the Talking Average Fitness Podcast, as always. My name is Sam Burns. I hope it doesn't end up changing, so I don't know why I say, as always, every single time I introduce myself. Joined, joining me today is my ever-faithful compatriot, Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, how the heck are you today, sir? I'm exhausted today, if we're being honest. That's been a one heck of a week. We're onboarding a new coach at Tilt, which then, Ooh. you know, I'm... I'm uh, doing a whole bunch of that stuff, soccer practice late at night. Uh, we tried to adopt a cat, which didn't end up going well over the weekend. Mm. That's a long story. Um, so mm. I've accumulated in the past four nights, maybe like 12 hours of sleep. So we're doing what's called running on caffeine and dreams today. Um, yeah, which is how Sam lives his everyday life. Well, well, especially since we've got baby number two at home. Um, Darn right. Yeah. So that's, that's fun and different. It's not as, it's not as weird the second time around because you've done it once, right? So you have one right. kid, the second one's really similar, except yeah. the first time you didn't have another bigger kid running around right. to, to complicate things. Have you ever seen, there was like a commercial, I forget what company it was for, but they did a commercial for like first kid, second kid. And it was like, you know, the first kid they have it like, they're like, you know, you stay over here and they're kind of like trying to take care of everything. Second kid, they're just like, they're handing it to the mechanic to hold for a second. They're like, just like. <laughs> Number, like first kid you're like kind of in bubble wrap like you know yeah. make sure they're safe and second kid you're like ah yeah just chuck them in the shower you'll be all right <laughs> well it's it, it's not thankfully i've realized it's not the fact that parents become jaded or calloused it's that we realize how resilient kids are oh yeah you know the the old the old joke of kids bounce they really do they they just like <laughs> off everything <laughs> yeah and they'd like get up and they keep running full tilt I'm like, all right yeah. cool um not to be rude, but we are joined by a special guest today. So in the middle uh, of your screen, if you're watching this or just somewhere inside of your fever dream imagination, now is Miss Tracy Jansen. Tracy, how the heck are you? I'm good. I'm. Uh, it sounds like you guys are doing well. Our little... I woke up at today, so also running on two cups of coffee. <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a nice way to be. Um, Tracy, give us, uh, I like to call this the uh, world record time Fran version of kind of like who you are and where you are in the CrossFit space um, and how you ended up reaching out to us. Um, ready? Three, two, one, go. All right, cool. So I am, I would say that CrossFit is probably one of my number one personality traits at this point. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but it wasn't always like that. So I grew up most of my life like playing sports, but I was never particularly good at it. I was always kind of overweight, not particularly good at any of it. I didn't try very hard. I didn't eat very well. And I lived most of my life thinking that like fitness was for other people. Um, and it wasn't until my like early mid 20s that I started really seriously going to the gym. And that was because I reached a point that I weighed just as much as my six foot four um, boyfriend at the time. Um, and to put that into perspective, I am just about five feet tall. That's what I was going to say. I was like, what's the comparison factor here? Okay. So, yeah. So I tipped the scales at well over 200 pounds at about five feet tall, which is, um, it's a lot of me. Um, and that was kind of when I realized that I needed to do something. Um, so I did it in the complete 180 total life change overnight kind of way, went super hard, lost a hundred in 
like a year mm-hmm. and fitness has been my personality ever since that being said um one of the things the reason that i reached is because i did not do it in a particularly sustainable way and i ended up developing a pretty bad eating disorder as a result of it um so over the last like decade or so i've been kind of in and out of struggling with under eating and then coming back so that I can do like the fitness stuff that I like, then I get carried away again, under eating really bad kind of eating disorder struggles. And a lot of that has to do with um, kind of this base in the, the fitness community where you need to look the part. And that is kind of the biggest reason that I reached out here is I was listening to the podcast um, that Christina did um, just like a week or so ago. Um, and she's the head coach at the gym that I also coach at. And her story for months since I've like known her has kind of resonated really deeply with me because it's that struggle of like you wanting to be the best version of yourself, trying to look the part and struggling with your internal version of yourself and then the external version that you uh, present to the world. So that was probably longer than my friend time, but here you go. <laughs> That's that's okay. pretty. I, well, so I don't know how long I talked for, but we're at five minutes and change. So that that means you've got like a three minute friend. So hats yeah, off to it was you. Way faster than Colin's frame. We had him on here. Way Colin's faster than my friend time. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's so very very cool. And I <clears throat> I kind of laughed when you reached out. You're like, hey Sam. I don't know if you remember me, because we had like so I used to coach across at Medfield before I left to go to the Phoenix, and then. I came back. The Phoenix has this great program where we run um, under the banner of the Phoenix free CrossFit programs for people who identify as um, being part of the substance use disorder community. <clears throat> and it's a great opportunity. And I was like, well, why wouldn't I go back to Medfield and do that? And I met Tracy there and I knew of you because you had like been in and around. And we had like a whole series of conversations about things. And it was, it was, it was interesting that you came back. You're like, I don't know if you remember me. And I'm like, why wouldn't I remember you? Um, and I, oh, we had a fantastic conversation about CrossFit fitness, what the perception of fit is, what and how that can manifest itself like inside of a community with an individual. And I love especially this discussion you have about kind of observing people on the outside and then the juxtaposition against how we feel on the inside. Um, The quote that I think that you said, which I resonate to, um, is you can judge a book by its cover and everything looks really good on the outside. And then you open it up and the pages are on fire. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, man, after you said that, I was like, well, there we go. That's, that's me. (laughs) Well, I like to, I like to say that if I, if I open my mouth and something falls out and people like it more often than not, I've stole it from someone. (laughs) Um, So whoever that is, probably accurate, probably, you know, yeah. um, There's nothing new under the sun. So I, I love this concept and we were, and we kind of talked about this when we <clears throat> got a chance to chit chat, like, especially on the heels of that discussion. Oh, hi, kitty cat. Uh, on the heels of that discussion with Christina. Um, and then shortly thereafter, there was the announcement that Haley Adams was taking a year off and 
Haley had been very open about her own, hi, what do you want? Um, had been very open about her own issues with um, an eating disorder, I believe it was. I think that, you know, we see these, It's it would be so easy for us to look at some of the transformations that happen in the CrossFit community. And I'm going to try to bring this back to the, get out, get out of here. I'm going to try to bring this back to the level one manual as much as possible. So we have the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, right? So we have our pathological or sick values, our well values or healthy values, and then our fit values could be considered uber wellness or uber health. Um, if we take a person from a pathological state, you know, we've got, you know, 160 over 110 blood pressure. We've got body fat percentage north of 30%. Um, we have, you know, resting heart rate in the 70s, for example. Um, and setting aside factors like age and sex that would argue against these things. As a general statement, these are not the values that you want to see if you go get blood work done or something like that. And we take a person from that to a resting heart rate of 50 beats per minute. We take them to a body fat percentage sub 20, uh, regardless of sex. We take it, we take them to, you know, you know, visible abs and all of those things. You can look at that journey and be like, that person has it made. And it completely ignores whether or not it was done in a physically, emotionally, or mentally healthy and sustainable manner, you know? And listening to you talk about and describing a little bit of your own journey, I, I started thinking about all of the people who we put up as, uh, how do I want to phrase this, as pillars of the community in terms of uh, capability, athletics, right? Your Rich Fronings, your Tias, your Mats, your Katrins, and... I take for granted that for all of them, the journey was a healthy one. And I really probably shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love, if you're willing, as much as you're, as much as you're willing to or not, for you to describe a little bit of your own journey um, and give us a peek behind the curtain. Because again, you know, we're not inside of your skulls. That would be really interesting if we could all do that. But like... What might have someone seen on the outside observing you as a third party and juxtapose that for us uh, against what was going on on the inside? Yeah. So, I mean, my journey has been pretty long. Like, so I first lost most of the weight back in, I believe it was 2012. Um, and it's just been kind of from there. But I think the kind of most recent um, kind of situation that I've been going under is probably where I'll start. Um, so sometime last year, I, I've, I've been doing CrossFit for a bit. I work really hard to learn the skills and like, you know, on the outside, if you look at me, like I, you know, I'm relatively muscular, thin, fit. I can do most of the movements. I can move a barbell. Like, so if you look at me, you think, oh man, like she's, she's done a pretty good job kind of moving from that, you know, sedentary soda drinking, like over very overweight person. But on the inside, like it, 
was this constant struggle between wanting to do the best that I could and like progress my health and my fitness with also feeling the need to like look the part. Right. Yeah. And I would every so often um, over the last like decade get really carried away with my um, kind of eating and tracking macros to the point where um, I don't want to get into calorie numbers because for folks that have um, orders that can be very triggering. Absolutely. Like I would start tracking in my fitness pal and it would start at one number and then I would do that for a week and it would go lower for the next week and lower and lower to the point where I was eating less than probably your newborn baby. (laughs) But yet still training for multiple hours a day. I would do the class. I would run. I would do all of these like crazy things and I would get the most compliments on my physique when I was out when my heart rate was having arrhythmias or I was having arrhythmias like you know, every so often just sitting on the couch, my heart would start fluttering. My watch would be like, Hey, you're an AFib in case you were wondering. Um, but that didn't seem to stop. And I just kept going. Right. Because, you know, like the part of me that felt like I, if I just kept pushing through, you know, it's the right thing. And, um, I got to the point where I was so thin that you could see all of my like bones up in my chest. You could see kind of so much um, like musculature and bones and all of that. And people were complimenting me and it felt really great. But at the same time, I could hardly power clean like 125 pounds uh, without like dying. (laughs) And I, you know, I almost passed out doing maybe like a 70% deadlift. And I could hardly do the things that just a few months prior, I was doing no problem. And um, so that's kind of one of the craziest things is like from the outside, you can look at any person, whether it be me or a member walking through your door, and you have no idea what's going on inside them. So, so many people would comment and be like, oh, you, you're doing a really great job. Or, oh my goodness, you're working out so hard. Like, what are you doing? You must have like such an ego. You must be doing this. Like, are you trying to get better? And I'm like, it's a prison. It's a prison that I wake up to every single day and it is not an option. And um, that's just something that not a lot of people realize. Um, And it wasn't until I got unbelievably sick with rhabdo as a result of that overtraining, undereating, and then doing a competition that had roughly 7 million squats in it. (laughs) Average number. Yeah. Yeah. Another day in the office. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Um, And I was out of the gym for three or four weeks. And completely bedridden to the point where I literally got sweaty stirring a cup of yogurt. That is how like incapacitated that I was by this. Um, and on my first day back, um, one of the coaches at my gym, he says to me, um, this is coach Tim and he is a very wise and chill dude. Tim's he goes, a good man. Tim is a good man. He goes, Tracy, people look up to you and you can't let them think that this is the standard. This is the norm. It's not. And I was like, you know what? If I can't be healthy for myself, I need to be healthy for them. But, you know, I very, very much care about. And from that point on, I've been doing so much better. And yeah, I've put on a lot of weight. Um, I, I'm healthy now. Like I'm able to lift more than I ever was. And uh, that's kind of the summary of kind of a short snippet of one of my like eating disorder relapses and that one was kind of the most impactful to me sure and i yeah. i mean off the top of my head thanks for sharing this i think 
this is just something that is not talked about enough. No. And I would be shocked to find out that there are not more stories like yours yeah. inside of our community. Um, and I, I can hear people saying the things that you say were said to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you look fantastic. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, you must be crushing it. Oh, and then to use your terms, it was a prison. Like, mm -hmm. no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm a victim to my own thoughts and feelings and I cannot find a way out. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and for those people making those comments, it's coming from a place of, well, they're just trying to build you up and give you a compliment, but they're just not thinking in their head, like, and not to say, why would you, but like, why, if, you know, if, if you see Tracy coming to the gym every day and she's working really hard, like you're saying like, Hey, you're crushing it, Tracy. Awesome job. Like just as you're, you know, passing through, um, you have no bearing on, on what someone's feeling, but I, I agree with Sam and that. I'm, I'm sure there are many, many more stories like this or things similar um, throughout the community. I mean, it's like for myself, like I don't have any experience on the nutrition side of things, but I like as far as exercise stuff goes, I'm right there with you. And like, I can't do anything halfway. If I'm going to do CrossFit, I'm going to try and go to the games. If I'm playing soccer, I'm going for a pro contract. Like, it's just, I can't not, it's just, I can't turn it off. And if I'm lose like anytime i'm doing anything i'm competing yeah. like as i'm building back into getting or doing more crossfit um again that the new coach ron boarding at, at tilt his name's jack he's a very fit kid former gymnast um and we did a workout with muscle ups and it's like i used to be a semifinals contender let's go and he wiped the floor with me in the entire time is like i was just angry the entire time because <laughs> i should be winning i want to win Right. Um, not, not like disregarding the fact that I haven't done CrossFit in six months. This is a former competitive gymnast. Um, we're doing muscle ups like just, but Turns I, out I you need to practice skills. I can't, no, that's not how that works. Um, but I completely relate to the kind of like, you know, when you were going kind of overboard with the exercising as well, like the same thing I did that for years and messed myself up with multiple injuries that I'm trying to undo now. So similar in, in the way that you said um, how Tim was talking to you, that you need to be a good example for your members. That's kind of more where my head's at right now. You know, we talk about the mechanics, consistency and intensity charter for CrossFit. I'm trying to bring myself back to that mechanics part. Cause I never did that. When I started in CrossFit, I jumped straight into the intensity and let's try and go to the games and ended up with multiple injuries everywhere, which when people came into the gym sort of same thing they're like oh look at kevin he's going they don't know that i have two belts on for wall balls because my hips hurt yeah. and my back hurts and everything like that and um so i i fully relate to to that part of it for sure yeah i i i listen to this and i hear so much first of all i hear so much of myself i identify so strongly um and for me, it has to do with my experience with drugs and alcohol. Like it's one of the things that I keep hearing in my head. Um, if you've never been to an AA meeting, uh, almost always they're in some church basement somewhere uh, or in a Grange hall or a VFW hall. It's a very popular location, big, wide open area, a lot of chairs and like one uh, DS or a pulpit or a, what's it called? Like a 
lectern, like a lectern where you stand behind mm-hmm. and you, you know, someone talks and blah, blah, blah. Um, and one thing I heard and I've never forgotten it is for the alcoholic, <clears throat> the ego is chronically or a terminally cool, right? The ego wants to be so cool that it will kill you in order to achieve a certain level of coolness. Mm-hmm. And I think about how much and how far, how much CrossFit has done for people, how far we have taken CrossFit, how far individuals have taken CrossFit, both as a, within the methodology and then what I would consider slightly outside of the methodology when we start talking about the games and stuff like that. It's amazing. But part and parcel with everything that is human, you know, there can be a, not a corruption, but like a, a misalignment of, you know, why are we doing these things? Why do we say these things are important? And then, well, that's great and fine, but how far can I take this? You know, and you have people who will just go hard in the paint. And I love the games. I love watching that. I've lost track now, though, of how many times I've had to have discussions with athletes or members in my gym or people randomly who, pardon me, they're like, well, I saw this thing on YouTube. And I have to say, like, that's not CrossFit. I love the games. And it's an amazing expression of, you know, human capability and, and some of the stories of, where someone started and then like where they ended up, it's mind boggling. And yet it's like the most extreme version and is something that like, I don't want everybody to come in and be like, Oh, intensity. Cool. And just like, go for that. Um, and I'm doing a disservice as a coach if I'm leading you toward that. So pardon me. When I hear this story, your story specifically, and the similarities, I assume that it, that so many other people have with it. Like, help me understand, like, help me get a little bit inside of your brain. Like, you have this thing, this thing that is CrossFit, it changes your life, right? Mm-hmm. Was there ever a, a part where you're like, um, how can you get enough of this good feeling? And like, because that's for alcoholism, that's what it was for me. Like some people, they start drinking, they get a little bit drunk and they're like, oh, wait, wait, they put the brakes on. For me as an alcoholic, I get a little bit drunk and I'm like, that's what I want. And I step on the gas. And, and honest to God, I don't understand people who can like have one short beer and go mow the grass. That doesn't make sense to me, but I'm also an alcoholic. Um, so does that, like, do you identify with that at all? Or uh, yeah, really? I always equated like the eating disorder to an addiction and the eating disorder is more than just food because it, it's the fitness part, right? Because for every calorie in, you can find theoretically it through exercise, but it was also more than that too. It wasn't just like, oh, if I work out for six hours a day, then it, you know, the piece of toast that I had earlier doesn't count. It's also that just like hunger for perfection. Yeah. It goes hand in hand, but it's like, 
addiction to do more and more and more and eating less and less and less looking as good as you possibly can. But good. the is, is that yep. look terrible when I lose weight, like to that point, because I was over 200 pounds. I have a lot of like skin. So when I lose weight, I look like I'm wearing a skin shirt over bones. So the, the harder I tried to look the best I possibly could, the more I hated what was going on. But yet it's an addiction. And you're like, well, if I just do one more workout right. or if I just eat one less calorie, it'll be fine. And it doesn't make sense. And like, you know, that that joke you always hear where people are like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. And then someone's just like, well, don't. And then you're like, oh, I'm scared. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not that simple and it took it took almost that multiple times and then really kind of putting things into perspective to kind of be on a healthier path and one of the other things is a support system right so in your addiction and also in my addiction to whatever it is that my disorder is addicted to it's super isolating and you find yourself hiding it. So I would like sneak workouts in the middle of the day when, you know, my family wasn't looking or like I would pretend that I had already eaten when I hadn't eaten and stuff. Oh my God. I'm having flashbacks. (laughs) Yes. Like, like sneaking workouts, which I identify with because (laughs) what was that? I said, it sounds insane. What? Okay, so first of all, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something the same way I would say it to another alcoholic, which is, of course, it sounds insane. It's normal, um, <laughs> and like for people who are, you know, in that club, quote unquote, that is normal. Mm-hmm. Which is also, by the by, why we advocate. You know, if you're if you're going through something like this, please seek out support communities where people understand, mm-hmm. because then you can have black humor, laughing fits about you know, the insane shit you used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm flashing back to using drugs or, you know, drinking before parties and then trying to like lie about it to friends and family members who very like clearly understand what I look like when I'm sober and when I'm not sober, <laughs> <laughs> like trying to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. But sneaking, sneaking workouts, that's, I identify with that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that support system, though, um, one of the things that helped after I came back from being out for a month with Rabdo, yeah, I started spending a lot of time with people who um, understand kind of what it feels like to feel like you need to constantly be doing more. And one of the things is they, a lot of my friends now are um, kind of, I think from what I can tell on the other side of like this battle with finding that balance and they're able to train at a very high level, but then eat appropriately and recover appropriately to like the best of our ability you know because we like to do crossfit and some sure. mm-hmm. wake up early and stay up late but they like having that support system and then having those people there showing like what the right goals are we're like you know there's folks that they're they're fit they eat enough they perform well but they also look really good and i was like well 
I can do that. I just need to get my physique goals and my performance goals to line up. And then that will shut up the voices that tell you to just keep going and support systems. (laughs) Support systems are huge. They're incredibly important. So I, and I love that you mentioned like being on the back side of kind of walking through that fire. Right. Mm -hmm. So having checks and balances in place to be able to, because nobody, nobody has the capacity for self delusion like a human being. Um, We are, we are, we have BAs in BS. And so Mm -hmm. I know for me, one of the most important things in my own journey in recovery, and as I've, you know, many years in my recovery journey now, I found in life is being able to gut check my bullshit and having people close to me, especially in my support system who understand that process and who will help me gut check my bullshit. Um, shout out to my wife (laughs) who who never, who never fails to just be like, Hey, don't be an idiot. Um, so for you personally, right? Like how do you go about framing in your mind as you look at a certain amount of effort or a certain number of workouts or like a week or something like that? Like help me understand, like what's the process that you step through where you're like, okay, wait a second. Let's be, let's be reasonable. What does that look like? Yeah. So what I had been doing was just doing as much as I possibly could, because not only is exercise like, you know, fun, but like it was fucking CrossFitters. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, so the, the people that I recently started like working out with, they are so much better than I am. And one of the things that was really helpful to keep me on track was that I knew that if I under ate, I would not be able to keep up. And I knew that if I did not take a rest day, I would not be able to do the things that they are doing. And part of that is that ego where you don't want to look like an ass, right? And then as that progressed and I started hitting numbers that I have not hit literally ever, it started now internalizing it and just being like, maybe this is the best version that I can be. And like, also still every time that I do have a bad kind of mental eating day where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've gained so much weight. I, you know, people comment on it, which we need to stop doing. Um, But, and I have a day where I'm like, maybe I want to backslide. And then I'm like, no, because I'm hitting 90% jerks with Steve tomorrow and I need to hit them. (laughs) So- And like, it's been like, that was one of the biggest things that helped. And then my newest kind of not addiction, but like my newest thing is really just optimizing my schedule. And like, I look, I'm like, this is going to be a rest day. I'm going to be coaching this day. I won't be working out. This is what I'm going to do. I would love to do the class workout on top of this other thing, but I can't, I have to pick one or the other. And like, my new year's goals are the exact opposite of everyone else, mostly in the world. And my goals were work out less and eat more. Finally found a balance to work out less and eat more. And it's been so much better. And I feel like I'm finally out of that prison. And I've taken rest days unplanned just because my body felt like crap. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. sit and like wallow in self-pity all day. I was just like, maybe I'll just go like have an ice cream. And it's been like so peaceful to do that. And um, 
Yeah. That's amazing. That's so I'm, good. I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. I, I, so yes, also commenting on the way I want to come back to that just because I think there are some innocuous things. I, I'm going to, I'm going to presume good intentions yes. when I, when I say this, I'm going to presume good intentions. There are some innocuous things that can be said where again, revisiting the notion that we don't know what's going on inside anybody's skull. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very, very fortunate to have worked at the Phoenix where I had a lot of training and uh, attention brought to various kinds of, for lack of a better word, let's, let's use the word trauma, who like the, the different kinds of trauma that people carry with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I use that term trauma, I'm, I'm using it in a very all encompassing and inclusive sense. I'm not talking about an extreme version of one thing or another, you know, it's a, like for me, I carry trauma at fucking doctors. Like, so my doctor, we were talking, were we talking about this blood work? Was that before yeah. the podcast or on the podcast? I'm probably both. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <I'm> not- <laughs> also, I have a baby. Uh, so yeah. my doctor was telling me that she could tell by my blood work that my adrenal system is overworked <clears throat> and, you know, I'm, and she started going in the direction of like, is I, I've been very transparent with all my healthcare providers that I used to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. And mm-hmm. she's like, you're probably carrying some kind of energy trauma in the sense of your body is hyper conditioned to be in a very aroused, very, uh, anxiety, uh, anxious state, right? Which I guess. And she's like, you don't present like that, but your cortisol levels are telling me that you're crazy fucking stressed out. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And it pissed me off, frankly, because I felt like, yeah. <laughs> like I've been sober for almost 10 years. And so it's really fucking annoying to have something like that come back out of my past and to knock at my goddamn door. And so maybe, maybe you're just excited. You're just always just jazzed. And that's why your cortisol levels are like, let's go. Let's just, you know, you know go forth it, and be awesome. I'd be fine with that if cortisol as a hormone wasn't also eating my muscle mass and going to be shortening my life by increasing my all cause mortality. Um, you know, the brightest stars burn out the quickest, Sam. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't have nice things. So sorry. No, no, you're not. <laughs> not I wasn't sorry enough to not do it, but I know, I know, but I, I lost my train of thought. See this, this. You were saying your blood work. You were annoyed that it came back from your past. I know. Um, I was, and it was like knocking on your door. Before that, damn it. Tracy was telling a really awesome story. Well, we were talking about the comments and then. Thank you. Uh, there we go. Thank That's you. what it was. Right. So like stuff that people carry on the inside. So like my, my doctor, like I present as a very calm person on the outside. My doctor's like, fuck that. You got to go do some work. Um, so I don't. And I'll, I'll defer to your judgment on this. I am of the opinion that most people are way more obtuse than they think they are. And unless you give them explicit examples of things, they're probably not going to get it, right? So 
can are you comfortable and please just frankly say no if you're not i fully welcome that Mm -hmm. are you comfortable giving me an example of something that someone has said recently on either side of this journey that you've had um and why for you that was not an ideal thing to have received Yeah, definitely. So I can go on both sides. So most recently, like I said, I put on about 10 pounds, but to put that into perspective, I am still an extra small. So I'm Mm -hmm. a large person. Um, And the person was complimenting me on kind of my recovery from the eating disorder. So this is a person who's aware of your journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this happens a lot. Um, And it's very common in the eating disorder community. One of the things we get so annoyed with is, oh, my gosh, you look so much healthier. Because in our minds, that means fat. Um, This person comes up to me and they go, you look like you've gained a lot of weight. I'm really proud of you. Okay. So. It was, I had very mixed feelings about that because I was really happy to inspire this person. Um, and have them understand it and kind of see and understand. And then at the same time that played over and over in my head for the entire day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, we just don't know, you know, we just no. don't know what's going on in someone else's head. <clears throat> right. And like, I can see this person. I don't know who this person is. I can, mm-hmm. again, fully in, uh, assuming good intentions. I can see that this person is coming from a place of love. Yeah. They mm-hmm. want to support you. They want you to be healthy and happy and, you know, to, to keep continuing in a positive, positive direction with your journey. Yeah. Um, but that, mo- that monster rears its, rears its head inside of yeah. your skull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I- when, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tracy. <laughs> go ahead. So I was just going to ask like when, when that gets said, when you have that comment, Hey, you look like you've gained some weight. I'm proud of you. When that comes at you and you said that you kind of like, we're replaying it over and over in your head. What do you kind of, and again, feel free to share as, as much or as little as you'd like, but you know, what happens in your head over the course of the rest of the day while you're replaying that, yep. that kind of like prevents it from spiraling downwards out of control. Like, what do you do to kind of like get a rein on that and bring yourself back to, I'm comfortable, I'm good to go. You know, this is the right direction for me to kind of like bring it back to that balance point that you said you, you know, you found recently. You know, what what kind of thoughts and, and mechanisms do you have in your head to kind of bring those spiraling thoughts back down to earth, so to speak? Yeah. So I'm I think Sam might be able to relate to this with the like alcohol too, where, you know, you have those days where you are arguing with your addiction and you could go either way, right? And oh, yeah. That day was kind of one of those days where I was like, I like I'm <laughs> I can lose weight really quickly. Like you never challenge me to a weight loss competition, we'll lose. Right. And like overnight, I could literally just stop eating and like do it. Um, and it could have gone that way. But um <laughs> recently, um, since I've been kind of really working hard and everything, um, I I signed up for some competitions with my friends and um, I also am doing the um, Invictus Boston Invitational and nice. um, I am very much at the lower end of the people who would be signing up for that. Like I am physically capable of doing all of the workouts, but I am by no means this year um, at the same place where I was last year, but I will not, you know, my goal is to not make a fool of myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that is one of the things that has been really motivating me. And I know that about myself. If I sign up for a competition or a race or an event, I know that I have that like sunk cost kind of thing where I'm like, well, right. I can't, I can't quit now because I have this event coming up. Um, so I've strategically signed up for a bunch of events from now until kind of through the end of the summer that every time that I have those days where I'm just like, don't eat. I'm just like, if you don't eat today, you're not going to hit your lift tomorrow and you're not going to maintain that trajectory that you want to be on and you're not going to be ready for the competition. You're not going to be 55 cleans look easy. You're going to be buried by them, you know, and that helps me right now um, to do that. And that was what how I got out of kind of that day of spiraling is I was like, well, don't make a fool of yourself at Invictus. <laughs> gotcha. so, so you kind of use just like a... a big picture goal of some sort that kind of like keeps you moving day by day towards that goal kind of like helps you keep keep the train on the track so to speak if you have something that you're a big picture goal you're working towards then yeah and then it helps and then when it passes kind of that like when the the ur like urges or like need to like restrict or over exercise like when it passes and then I can finally like settle and think about it I'm like okay that wasn't a big deal you did in fact gain weight. You have purposely been gaining weight. This was on purpose. This was your goal, right? And then like, I can sit with that and be like, thank goodness I had that, you know, thing to kind of hang on to, to give me that momentary clarity to fight through it. So now that the urge is gone, I'm fine. Oh, Does yeah. this thing like what you think about Sam? Oh, well, I'm, I'm just, I love that you use the term sit with it. Like, that's the hardest thing is to just be with your thoughts and not freak the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Like one of, one of my favorite examples is like, I don't need anybody to create drama in my life. I can sit by myself in my house and drive myself insane. And the only thing I need maybe is a little bit of unopened mail. Like, give me a little bit of unopened <laughs> mail and I will concoct scenarios, <laughs> you know, and yep. So, yes. Yep. And, and I love it, like the reframing process that you kind of walk yourself through. It's this was deliberate. I knew I wanted to do this. And so when that mm -hmm. thing inside of my head turns around and says, well, you know, you, you put on weight, you get to be like, yes, that's, that was a deliberate thing. That's a healthy thing for me to do. This is why I want to do that. And thinking about reframing, I think it's, a, I love the because I can't turn off the coach in my brain thinking about the words that you used, right? So I'm going to put you a little bit on the hot seat, just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a fool of myself an Invictus, right? Now swing back to the other side of the equation. How supportive is the CrossFit community? Mm -hmm. As a general sport, like maybe the most, like it's got to be up there, yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know any... I know few competitions, few competitive formats where so often the person who finishes last is the one who gets the most applause, mm -hmm. you know, and or I can't think of another sport or competitive platform where like you want your competitors to succeed in mm -hmm. some capacity, yeah. you know, like it, there might be a mutual respect between competitors, you know, after the game, you, you know, you say good game, um, we'll fuck you under your breath, but um, but there, there's no other sport where you like, you want yourself to do well, but you also want your competitors to yep. do well. Right. 
too. Like that there's no, I can't think of another sport that's like, I hope you do great, man. Like sure. me and Sam facing off. Like, I hope you, I hope you do well. Right. It's like, no, I, I want to crush you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and but, yet, and yet there's still this language inside of our brain that we use and maybe we use it subconsciously. I know that certainly I use language like this subconsciously a lot. This, you know, I don't want to make a fool of myself. And now I, and this is a me thing. I'm bringing it back to me and my ego yeah. rather than being supportive and encouraging of, you know, everyone else who is there. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause as a coach, I do the exact opposite. If I hear someone say, I am like, I'm the most dorky, corny coach ever and right? I'll across the room. Like I can't do this. And I'm like, yet. Right. And yeah. I'm like, and like, amazing i'm also queen of do as i say not as i do yeah right? so i welcome to the club i my instagram is very like vocal about kind of the struggles that i have in like the eating disorder and everything and the other day i posted a lift and i walked up to it and i was like don't be a bitch and then i did the lift i hit it i was not in fact a bitch it was fun <laughs> and then, that was me to me don't be a bitch. Me to literally everybody else. Oh my God, you're amazing. You're going to do it. If you don't do it, it's a learning opportunity, blah, 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 blah. But then like that doesn't apply to me from me somehow. And I like, and that's, you know, the perfectionist. <laughs> the disorder. Yep. Well, and even beyond being a perfectionist, I have found that's something that makes you human. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've lost track of, and there's a, there's a, a famous psychiatrist out of Canada who wrote a book and one of the chapters in the book was treat yourself as if you were someone else that you are responsible for. Yeah. You know, like how often do we say to ourselves, nah, I'm not that sick. I don't need to go to the doctor's office. Whereas if it's someone else, you're like, you haven't, you've got a, te you've got a temperature of 98 point what, and you haven't gone to the doctor yet. Get in the car, you yeah. know? Yeah. And we just, we don't do that. We downplay our own emotions and we, mm -hmm. we play up, being responsible for and taking care of other people. And it's, and that's a, a blanket statement across the board for human beings. And I know I'm guilty of it. And my wife can list any number of times when that has been the case. And it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And it, here's another thing. I don't know if you can relate to this or not. Staying on and aware often enough as you walk through your day-to-day -day, like operations and doings to catch those thoughts, arrest their momentum and then reverse them. It's fucking exhausting. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like one of the hardest things for me, I would get to the end of a day and it's, I, I sat in a cubicle. I did not have like a strenuous job at this time, but it was early in my sobriety and I would get to the end of a day and I would just slump down and be like, fuck me, I'm exhausted because I spent so much time trying to, because I was conscious of the things that I thought and how destructive they were Yeah, and trying to stop that, trying to like literally partition off part of your psyche and set it off to the side and be like, you asshole, watch me and make sure I don't do anything stupid. Like that, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. So hats off to you for being able to do that and coach and be a mom, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, it's challenging. And like, I guess, kind of backing up to the question that kind of started this whole conversation about um, the things that people say without realizing it and mm. like, affects you. Yeah. Um, in the other direction as well, like when I was trying 
recover from my eating disorder and people would say really like awesome things right and they would be like wow you look amazing your goals i wish i could be like you and i would be like no you literally do not wish that you could be like me like trust me like yeah. i have abs i'm unwell like take yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but those that same thing right i would spend the entire day being like don't listen to them it doesn't matter your worth isn't people's compliments about mm -hmm. like physique it like you your heart is failing and like you know and it's it's one of those things where you have to argue with this disorder that's trying to kill you yeah but and it's exhausting and you you know like you spend so much mental energy arguing with yourself all day but like it's so <laughs> <laughs> which, which, if you don't spend that amount of energy doing that, hats off to you. But that sounds totally normal to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Hilarious. I. So another thing that you mentioned um, that I think is really interesting. You mentioned a an organization called No Solo, mm -hmm. and I want to give you a little bit of an opportunity to talk about that. So, what is and why and who? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So I recently discovered No Solo. Um, one of like the people that I work out with, like he kind of had reached out to them because of his own mental health situation. That is not my story to tell. Um, but when into reaching out and like looking into that organization, I loved what they stood for. And um, it's No Solo. And it, it literally means like nobody does it alone. And for me, one of the most pivotal things for kind of really getting out of my hole, I like I call it my mental hole, um, was not being alone and like having people where I can't sink backwards into my like bad kind of tendencies because they'll notice immediately. They'll be like, well, why didn't you hit that lift? You hit, you know, twice. Right. That. <laughs> What's going on? Um, so No Solo, they sell um, different like merch with the brand no solo and they fundraise for um a mental health organization and that's what their brand does and so i um reached out and i have um i'm, I'm looking to we're still in the early stages of planning an event um, with crossfit medfield in september which is the like national suicide awareness month yep. um, looking to to a mental health like 24-hour relay with them in CrossFit Medfield mm -hmm. um, and kind of, you know, raise money, raise awareness and just kind of get people to kind of feel like they don't need to do it alone. And mm -hmm. um, so No Solo means a lot to me specifically because the deeper that I get into my disorder, the more I isolate myself. Yeah. And the best way to get out is to alone and to not feel like there's a stigma around telling people that you're struggling. So, yeah. Fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I, um, I think there's a, there's an isolationist component to, I'm not going to say all addictions because I haven't experienced all addictions, but I have yet to come across one where somebody who is on the other side hasn't described an isolationist component to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's amazing, you know, I think back to when I was in the middle of my drinking, how, how much I wanted the approval of other people and at the same time, how much I couldn't stand to be around them. And yeah, I used to, I used to pride myself on being a misanthrope um, and 
that I didn't like humans until I got sober. <laughs> and a lot of that was just because I didn't, I didn't understand the importance of having relationships. And I was very dismissive of, you know, having other people in my life and the fact that, um, it's not that I couldn't do things on my own, but that what I could do on my own would almost certainly be made better or go, or go further with other people. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's an incredibly hard thing to convince yourself when you've got everything in your brain that is driving you to this place of isolation to literally do the opposite and say, no, I'm going to invite more people into my circle. It's an incredibly uncomfortable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it might be, and you know, that's also why it can be so life-saving for people to find support groups. Like we know it's weird. We know it's uncomfortable. Like the, the running joke in AA is you walk in and everybody's nice and they talk to you and like, they ask you how your day was. And you're like, if you're like me, you're just like, dude, I've been on a bender for a week and a half. Don't talk to me. And the last thing you want is to have like lasting relationships and deep conversations. And they understand that's the thing you need the most. (laughs) And so they do it relentlessly. And it's really fucking annoying at first until you realize that it's probably the thing that's going to save life, you know, and there's a lot of directions you could go from that. Um, uh, Amazing. Have you done a 24 hour event before? Um, I've done like relay for life in high school and everything, but no, uh, I have not done a 24 hour CrossFit one. I know tilt does those, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have that coming up the, the end of May. Yeah, we've done 24 heroes. Um, we just do a hero. It comes out with a, a roster of workouts. We do one hero workout on the hour for 24 hours. Um, we usually do them in like teams of two or three. Um, and uh, it's it's a fun time. Um, great time. That's all so I got to say I, about it. I would encourage everybody, Tracy, so somewhere – so real quick, the Instagram that you are comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. like, as I'm going to assume as this thing with no solo develops and hopefully it does mm-hmm. that you're going to make some kind of announcement about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you have an Instagram account, you're comfortable sharing, where could they go to see this in the future? Yep. So my Instagram, um, underscores between all of the words, yep. pause as in like animal pause, P-A-W-S and re die word with, uh, underscores in between all of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll start. Um, no Solo is interested in the event, and I pitched it to the head coach and gym owner, and they are interested in the event and doing a whole mental health themed month. So, you know, hopefully we will be having more information come out. We want to give everyone enough time because I know a 24 hour event is a lot to block off in your calendar. For sure. To do the full 24 hours, I will be there for 24 hours. <laughs> So if, if I had to offer a piece of advice, having done 24 hour events before, bring more socks than you think you might. (laughs) I love that. Nothing quite changes your, uh, your countenance as a brand new, fresh, clean pair of socks. And when you're like six or eight workouts deep, and especially if there's like puddles outside and you get new socks, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I just had a bath. It's wonderful. 
Kevin, also, your... also, also warm up. Um, yeah. that, that'd be, that'd be my number one thing. Cause when we did, uh, I believe it was 2019 with the entire full-time staff of one nation, we're like, we're going to do all 24 workouts. Let's get some, um, I, I would recommend anyone to, at some point in their life, give that a go, like do all 24 in some capacity I, with an empty barbell. Like it doesn't matter. Adjust the workouts as you need, but do all 24, the mental toughness bit. It was the most physical discomfort and mental discomfort and emotional discomfort I've ever been in. It was miserable, but it was wonderful at the same time. Like the camaraderie of the group that you did it with, we're all going through this together. Um, and you can always do one more when coaches tell you like, Oh, you can always run a bit faster. You can always do one more people like, no, I can't. Yes, you can. Um, you're just mentally talking yourself out of it and the, being able to see that like, like, gosh, the next workout's got 365 deadlifts and this much running and gosh, it's just going to be horrible, but we're all going to get up and do it together. There was something really powerful about that as you went through. Um, and you're also like, you know, 16 hours in, you hit like a state of delirium, which was hysterical in between workouts. Um, <laughs> but I'd it's a fun time, but warm up because we hit a point where we didn't want to warm up anymore. So we didn't. Um, and then things started to really hurt. <laughs> okay. So I'll keep that in mind. Cause that's yeah. absolutely right up my alley. Like there is not a single challenge out there that I will not try. Right. Like oh, I, yeah. kind of borderline, like arrogance. Like I signed up for it <laughs> last year. Cocky well, confident. Yeah. I swam literally zero the entire summer and I was like that's fine I was a swim instructor when I was 16 I can do this yeah you're like, um, I got it so I'm, I'm down for that but I will probably train <laughs> smart well we typically try to keep these to about an hour I I really appreciate you coming in and talking about this mm-hmm. with so there is so much going on at CrossFit nowadays um, oh yeah I think I think this is me speaking as an individual, not in any way, shape, or form as a representative of Talking Average Fitness Incorporated. Um, I think it's important for the practitioners of CrossFit, the people and the athletes and the community members, as well as the trainers and coaches to keep in mind that there is a methodology. There's a reason why we push things like one workout a day, that we advocate for rest days. There's a reason why we talk about capacity in um, in reference to a person's ability to do something and not metrics like what is your resting heart rate, what is your body fat percentage, what is, you know, things like that. We define fitness as work capacity across broad time and modal domains. We do not define fitness as I dropped six points on my body fat percentage and I went down a size or anything like that. Um, And regardless of what happens at the top with HQ, we are now at a position as a global community where you know, one of my favorite sayings is expect to self-rescue, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing that CrossFit HQ is going to pass down is going to absolve us of the responsibility to be 
good neighbors and good community members to each other and to be supportive. Um, and so we need to have conversations like this. Trainers and coaches, this is a non-negotiable. You have to be exposed to something like this because if you are interacting with members of your community, like just the law of statistics tells me that at some point you're going to encounter something like this. And the more you know, the more you will realize how much you don't know. And the only danger there is operating in ego rather than acknowledging ignorance. Um, so this, I hope we have a bunch of coaches and trainers who listen to this and who get to hear your perspective and your story. Because, I mean, thankfully, this is beginning to be addressed. And thankfully, there are some places inside of our community that are being open and discussing it. But I, as a person who knows a lot about like the education system that CrossFit provides, I can tell you there's almost nothing that touches this, you know, and even at the, I've been at, <laughs> I've been at level one seminars where the presentation of the nutrition lecture. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. The most wildly triggering hours of my life because I was in mm -hmm. a different relapse during my level one. And, um, you know, they're, pitching that strict adherence to no sugar, blah, 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 all of that, as I'm trying to like feel comfortable eating like a normal human. Yeah. Yes. For the average person who's trying to learn how to be healthy, those are good guidelines. For someone who's struggling and has a very all or nothing mentality, that's just another like bar in the prison wall. <laughs> and that's, and I fully acknowledge that, like, that is not my way of saying that the lecture has to change. It is my way of saying that like so many things that you experience at your level one, you are literally cracking the surface yeah. and it is your responsibility as a coach and a trainer to continue to, ex uh, to educate yourself. And you probably will be better served by spending less time at a Bergner seminar mm -hmm. and a little bit more time understanding emotional intelligence and yeah. how to connect with your members of your community. Kevin, before we kind of wrap this up, any final thoughts, questions, concerns, or general anecdotes, limericks? No, just really thankful for Tracy coming on here and, and sharing her story. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's always awesome. The more we can kind of spread stories like this, the more we can make people aware about it, the more we can kind of affect change throughout the community. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and again, thank you for, you know, um, what's that old saying? Like, and it, pathology exists in darkness, right? We can't begin to address things and make traction and move forward unless we're willing to shine a light on things. Um, and so thank you for coming in and being frank and honest, both with us and with yourself. Like that's no small feat. Yep. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you. And yeah. thank you for having me and for everyone listening, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And yeah. whether you reach out to your coaches or any of us like yeah and if if you know if you're you know kevin and i have our handles underneath our names here if you have questions about this we've already had a handful of people reach out to us for mm -hmm. other questions things like programming and stuff like that um if you have questions about resources inside of the community um i'm very very lucky 
to have made connections with a bunch of different organizations. And if I don't know someone personally, I am very confident in saying that I know someone who knows someone. And so if you have issues, you have questions, please reach out. Like we're just a bunch of bunch of jabronis staring at our computers. There's zero things special about us except for the fact that we give a shit about CrossFit. Absolutely. So, and we give a shit about the people that we want to coach and help. Absolutely. Well, everybody who coaches, I feel like, wants to help. Yeah. 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 So, Tracy, thank you so much for being here. We very much appreciate it. For everyone who's been listening along at home, come back next week. I have no idea what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the party. All right. Tracy, Kevin, see you all. See you next time. Bye.